This podcast is brought to you by Bonus Room Productions and We Own This Town. I am Jason T. Mears Esquire. And I'm Kelly Hoyle Bullock. And we are San Dimas Today. How's it going, Kelly? JT, I'm here, man. I'm alive. Congratulations. You made it. Another day. The, yeah. the hamster yeah. wheel that is my life, that is a lot of our lives these days. Every day is the same. Every day is the same. But, you know, we've still got that glow from the uh, Face the Music trailer. So that's nice. Kind of trying to ride that wave. I've watched it so many times, so many times. Like, I, I love the music in the trailer. I, I, it's great. I'm, I'm. People yeah. are not going to be too surprised to find out that I'm stoked for the next Bill and Ted movie. Same here. Um, you know, I've had a couple friends that maybe their like their reaction is not positive. It's like, uh oh, I don't know. What if this sucks? And I just try to tell them that that's not possible. It's not. It's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to live in that world, are you? I mean, I'm being totally objective here. Absolutely. <laughs> I just know for sure it's going to be a home run. Oh, man. You know what? Um, I, I won't say that I have low expectations. I would just say that the bar for me to enjoy this movie, Face the Music, is so low because of what it's already got going for it. you got the original writers. you got a great director. You've got the original cast returning. They're all in. We now know the premise of it. It looks great. I mean, there, there's going to be weird, funny stuff along the way. I, I'm, I'm just already delighted that I get to spend another 90 minutes with these characters. Me too. Me too. Speaking of characters, um, Furious 7 has them all. It's it, got it everybody. Has, everybody's I, in there. How did anyone even pay for this? I just don't <laughs> understand. I was so excited to get your text that just was all caps Kurt Russell. Now, was that when you were watching the, like the credits as it was opening up and then you're like, Holy hell, Kurt Russell's in this. Or was it when he showed up as Mr. Nobody? It's when he showed up. I, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm pretty good about watching opening credits, but that one just completely got by me, man. That's even better. That, that yeah. makes it even sweeter. I mean, Mr. Nobody. Let, let, let's start with Mr. Nobody. All right. Cause there, there are bigger fish to fry, but what a delightful character right? Sure. It's, you know, the, it, it was interesting. Like they sidelined, uh, they sidelined the rock and mm -hmm. then in comes Mr. Nobody to fill in. If, if I had any complaint here, it's just that his exit was a little odd and abrupt. And I kept thinking we'd hear from him again, you know, yeah. further yeah. into the movie and you, and you didn't get anything. And, and yeah. that's fine. Uh, in tr and in true, uh, fast and furious fashion, you never see him die, so he's probably still alive. Uh, and again, this comes up with other characters in this movie. It's just that no one can like ever die for real. If they send you away and don't kill you in the movie, then maybe that's when you're dead for real. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, up is down, black is white. But what I loved about Mr. Nobody is he set up like a classic action movie villain, right? You are right that, you know, and I found that interesting because I was, you're dead on, man. I was like 75% sure, you know, he was going to come in, you know, he comes in as this slick guy. No one's heard of him before. Hey, I'm friends with your buddy, the rock. And <laughs> I'm just like, you're going to have a double cross here, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, he's the guy with all the answers. He's three steps ahead. He's from a shadowy government thing. He, he set up like the, uh, the, the black op ops team of die hard too, you know like they come right. in and they're like helping john mcclain and then suddenly 
there's a heel turn and they're all the bad guys. And you're like, uh, of course. And that, that's been parroted and done so many times. The first time you watch this movie, you absolutely think that the government is going to double cross um, the family. And the fact that they don't is a stroke of, of screenwriting genius as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, because I, I kept thinking, yeah, we were going to get Kurt Russell. He's like dipped his toes into uh, you know a few villains at this point. Uh, if you remember the uh, the Tarantino uh, movie where uh, Death Proof, that's the name, um, and he's a great villain in that movie. And so I, you know, I I really thought that's where we we're going to go, but no, you get that. You know, by the time his character is is exiting the movie, it, it he's like Atticus Finch. You know, yeah, he's great. He's like this incredible benefactor who does exactly what he says he's going to do lives up to, to the promises. And then that last little line that he has, where he's like, Dom, I got to tell you something. you got to try the Belgian beer. It's just like, yes, this is great. I'm all in. I was excited to see Kurt Russell in this movie. I was thrilled with how they used him. It was just wonderful. Going back to the beginning of this movie. Um, first, first major thing I noticed different director. Uh, it mm-hmm. is James Wan. It's no longer Justin yep. Lin. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's, it, it looks to me like James, James Wan was definitely mentored by Lynn. Lynn still stayed on as a producer, if I'm not wrong. I believe that's correct. I'll say that he did a, a, a pretty good job of, of mimicking the house style, but he did add in a little, uh, a few flourishes from his other movies, camera tricks that he likes to incorporate that were very apparent. And I, I was watching it again. I was like, oh, well, this shot has never been done in this series before. Um, namely, the camera, when it's locked into the orientation of somebody in a fight. So um, did you notice like when The Rock and Jason Statham are uh, fighting at, at the headquarters, when somebody would get punched and knocked and rolled over, the camera would roll with them? Yes, you're right. That, that's, something that director, that's something that director does. That's like one of his visual flares. It really reminded me of when John Woo uh, directed Mission Impossible 2. You know, like yep. it was definitely a Mission Impossible movie, but it was definitely a John Woo movie too. Yeah, that's that's uh that's a good call there. The John Woo, the John Woo, Woo style, the uh, mm-hmm. st- stylized in that fashion. Yeah, that's a good way right, to put right. it. Right, right, and it, it's it's neat for me at least to always see another director come into an established franchise and not only like honor what's come before, but also add their own flair. I, I think. You know, with Marvel, there there's a lot of problems where a Marvel movie is a Marvel movie. It, that that's loosened up quite a bit, I think, since Thor Ragnarok. But um, it, it's great to see in the, these larger franchises where they allow these directors to kind of make things their own a little bit. Now, one of the other things that just really impresses me at this point, uh, the addition of Jason Statham, where you essentially now you have three, maybe even arguably four. Uh, because Paul Walker has been a leading man in enough movies that maybe I don't particularly care for, but you know, outside of the Fast and Furious franchise, to, to somehow make that work just really blew my mind. I I was just super impressed. Like you have all of this, and now you're going to bring in Jason Statham. <laughs> you're absolutely right, and they do it so well. They do it so well. At this point, Fast and the Furious franchise is basically the anti-Expendables. You know, they're doing so well what the Expendables did so poorly with trying to get all these um, action stars in one film. It just it, it it's a master class in how to juggle different on screen personalities, at least. Now, I, I'm not sure, but I think 
Furious 7 is where Candy Ass came uh, into play. And it might have been the movie before, but by this point, The Rock and Vin Diesel on set are having like serious tension and serious issues. They do not like each other one bit. Yep. There's, uh, I, I read that The Rock, uh, he, he was disappointed in the work ethic of certain cast members uh, around the set. But, you know, funny you mentioned the Expendables because I, I had read how, you know, that was all going on at the same time, uh, you know, close to the same time as this movie with some of the same actors. And uh, e- yeah. even including our our favorite uh, female MMA fighter, Ronda Rousey. That crossover uh, uh, to me is interesting. And, you know, like you said, one movie really gets it right and the other one doesn't. Man, I wanted to like The Expendables so much. I mean, the first one was okay, I guess. I just like that. I, I feel like that movie, we're, we're two middle-aged white guys in our 40s. We grew up on the teat of 80s action films, right? Like that. So The Expendables should be right up our wheelhouse. And they just kind of dropped the ball. Anyway, um, that'll be our next limited series, Why We're Disappointed in <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> so you're, you're absolutely right. The way that they balance these characters, a lot of this credit goes to Chris Morgan, right? I mean, he he came on board with Justin Lin um, with, with Tokyo Drift, and those two together really molded this series into, into what it's become. He has a knack to balance all these huge personalities, all these different archetypes, and make them work and click together. And I, I, I just, I'm so impressed with that guy. Yeah, completely agree. Um, you know, everything changes and and for the better, uh, character-wise, in this series with him. Um, so another thing I found interesting uh, when you know towards the beginning of the movie, I guess this is after after the bomb blows up the house, and mm-hmm. Vin Diesel heads to Tokyo um, after he finds out that that Han's dead, and you have the scene with. Uh, Sean Boswell and uh, seeing Lucas Black again, and they it's like they they had him in footage from Tokyo Drift, and then yeah. bled that into a new scene, and, <laughs> and he looks a decade older. It's incredible. It's amazing. He's like <laughs> different hairline for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's you know he, he's he's carrying his AARP card and <laughs> just. It's so glaring. It's so glaring. But I was so happy to see him back. And like the way that they folded the series in on itself. It. I, I don't know the true story of, of at what point they're like, okay, we're going to make these prequels and then we're going to tie everything together. Everybody assumes that they're like, well, people like Ton, we'll, we'll have him in, in this movie for, for a little scene because love that actor. He was great. And then the fact that they kept including him, it's like, okay, what's going on here? Who who knows? Like, nobody thought that anybody had given any thought to Han being back. They're just like, oh, these are, these are dumb movies, and it's fun, and we like the character. So moving forward, the the fact that they ended the last movie with Han dying and Jason Statham killing him, and then at that point they go back and they they bring Lucas Black back into it, super cool. I think he's actually going to be in the new one too, which is being released next summer. So that, that's kind of neat. Yeah, you're you're right about that. Um, I think that had something to do with him. Spoiler alert: uh, getting killed off of NCIS New Orleans. I would be killed off of an NCIS show if I could be in a Fast and the Furious movie again. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you one of those reasons. And we keep talking about it. Every movie outdoes the previous one, and this one worldwide was a billion and a half dollar movie. Insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, I, I got We got to address the elephant in the room with Furious Seven. 
and that's Paul Walker. As you were watching this, you knew that this was the one that he died in, right? Right. How did that affect your expectations of watching this film? Like, were you expecting him to die in the movie? Did you think he'd, his character would survive? What, what did you think? How did you think they would handle it? Okay, I didn't know the outcome going into it of his character. And I didn't have any idea of at what point in the shooting he died either. So I had no idea, you know, maybe when or at what point to start seeing if I could tell anything. Um, because I had heard, I had heard before that his younger brothers were used in this movie to help finish the shooting. I think at first I did think they were going to kill him. Uh, as the movie went on, it became apparent after Vin Diesel convinces Mia to tell Brian that she's pregnant, that, uh, I felt like they might do something like what they did here, where maybe they just would retire his character. And I thought it was an interesting decision. I kind of like it and I kind of don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now I will say as far as me being able to tell when he was having to be CGI'd or whatever they did to superimpose him over his brother, I couldn't. I honestly couldn't tell anything until the very end. Uh, the, the very, very end, end when they're racing, right? Yeah. And, and he's on the beach and all of that, right? But I know. Yep. But then I read that they, you know, they did like several months of shooting, almost half the movie without him. And you know, it, the movie kind of suffers because of that because you can tell that overall. I mean, it, it's a it's absolutely a fun movie. It, it's got great action pieces. But it does kind of suffer from somebody trying to jam a puzzle together and not quite understanding the rules of how the puzzle fits. Everything's a little bit off. Like, oh, there's a step or two off. Like you were talking about with Kurt Russell. There probably originally was another scene or two in there. It's just like, nope, he's dropped off the face of the earth now. But yeah, that, that last race where they're, where they're racing together, that looked not great. Um, I will say, metatextually, I, I tear up every time I see that that in sequence um vin diesel's narration and talking about everything it, it just it, i'm i'm choking up thinking about it right now and i have zero zero capital in the paul walker game like i am i am not a guy that grew up liking this guy I, I never disliked him it's just his height of popularity he was doing stuff i was not watching including these movies i came to him late I really feel some true emotion when I, when I watch that. And I think it's very sincere and it is move. It is moving and it, it does affect me. So I'll give them credit for that. It's the, uh, ending that the fans deserve. That's what it feels like. Right. Yes. Yep. Um, yep. and I, I can Nailed. appreciate that. <clears throat> I, I thought what was cool, the, uh, song they used at the end there, that Wiz Khalifa song that was apparently yep. like the best selling single of, of 2015 or whenever this movie came out. Uh, and I remember that song upon hearing it again, even though like prior to this movie, I, I could have never told you who, who did that song Wiz Khalifa was <laughs> out. You know, I love, uh, there's a lot of hip hop I love, but Wiz Khalifa is, was pretty outside my wheelhouse. So, mm -hmm. yeah, pretty great, man. Pretty great. Uh, Paul Walker also, I mean, like it's, it's interesting to me that his adrenaline junkie plot dovetailed with his actual death because as I was watching it. I won't say I had like uncut gems level of anxiety watching it, but the entire time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, Oh God, Paul Walker's going to die now. Paul Walker's going to die now. And he didn't. And you know, I, I think there, there are good things and bad things that just like you said, I, sure. I do think he was mis mismatched um, with the um, antagonist that he was, he was up against. I, I didn't quite buy the two of them being equal. Not, not uh, you know, 
disparage the dead, but um, he, he definitely seemed outmatched. Well, we talked about it before. It seems like especially since since these movies amped up per, probably for the last couple, I didn't really see any anywhere else for his character to go. Um, and he was already sidelined and definitely being overmatched by honestly just better actors in the mm-hmm. movie with him. I feel like more kept around for sentimental reasons and they gave him a sentimental send off. Now had he never died in a car wreck, I, I feel like this, this series is so loyal to everyone, especially all the people mm-hmm. originally involved that he would stay in it forever. But, uh, it, it definitely, he definitely didn't feel like the reason I'm watching these movies anymore. So yeah. And I get that. I, I will, I have a counter to that. And I, I feel like what made these movies so strong, including the first one and the fourth moving on is like his chemistry with Vin Diesel and their relationship that more than anything is like the reason why these movies exist. And True. I, I still felt that in furious seven. I mean, like when they're sharing screen time and they're talking to each other, I genuinely believe that they have true, they had true love in their hearts for one another. The chemistry between those two actors, it's almost unparalleled. I think that's, that's a strong reason for him to still be here. I, I do agree that he was getting outclassed acting wise in other scenes, but when he was with Vin Diesel, just unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And that's a great point. The, the chemistry between those two, uh, can't be beat. I don't know that you have, you have that with anybody else. Obviously (laughs) you don't have that with, with, you could say the opposite really works for Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson. Uh, they don't like each other, but they're electric on screen together. So, uh, they are, they are, Jason Statham, on the other hand, is just this is just a guy that I've always enjoyed him. I, I've never really gone deep into any of his main action movies. I you know I like him. I liked him in more like ensemble stuff uh, like this and like uh, you know I think the, the first guy Ritchie mo- films, the Guy Ritchie films, right? Like I think those were his early movies, right? Guy Ritchie kind of put him on the map, and mm-hmm. he's just such a. He looks like he's straight out of a Dick Tracy cartoon, you know? His face is just intense. Oh, like, like, what is this guy like when he's just having a good time? Is it possible? Does he have a good time? Does he laugh? Does he smile? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think in real life, if Jason Sm- uh, Statham smiles at you, you're about to get punched. Um, I don't know, but <laughs> you're, you're dead on. It, the guy, the way that they folded him in, this whole thing is just perfect i mean i am not a huge fan of uh what lucas shaw is is that his brother's name um owen shaw yeah owen shaw that's right i'm not a huge fan of owen shaw as a villain i think he was very generic he didn't like really do it for me i was like okay he's kind of a guy in a suit but jason statham oh and let's talk about the opening scene if we're talking about deckard shaw the opening scene where he is in the hospital talking to his brother, right? And just like giving the background <laughs> yeah, his motivation. His brother, who is not dead. Not dead. Totally not dead. <laughs> totally not dead. His brother is totally not dead. And then he walks out of the hospital, and for some reason he has destroyed the entire thing. Like there's a few <laughs> people alive. I would like to know why he had to blow up the hospital to go visit his brother, but... I guess I don't need to, you know, it shows you that 
this Shaw is an agent of chaos and absolutely perfect at it. You know, like he, he, he's great. It, it, it's one of my favorite introductions to a villain ever. Agreed. And you know, all his action scenes were some of the best of the whole movie, uh, especially, uh, that first sequence, uh, with the rock when he's, when he's sitting in, in, uh, ah. Hobbs office. And then the whole sequence from there that plays out, uh, one of the best in the franchise, honestly, interesting choice that Hobbs got sidelined. I had read that there was a lot of shooting, uh, conflicts going on between him doing Hercules and then this movie. And then there was actually a delay in shooting in the, in furious seven that allowed him to have a bigger role than what they were originally going to do. Nice. Hobbs, Hobbs. Nice. That is. <laughs> right, right, right. Obviously, you know, later on down the line, one of the movies we're going to be watching is titled Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. And I want so, to know how we get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's a fun ride. Um, also want to talk about uh, Natalie Emanuel. Sure. Uh, uh, Masande, right? Masande yeah, from right. Game of Thrones. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So by the time she comes into play as this like another new main character, you know, we've gotten Jaiman Hunsu already thrown on us, and it, and it's like I'm starting, I'm starting to juggle in my brain and I'm like, all right, who do I need to dedicate time to is, can this all work? I feel like I was worried that we get over stuff there for a minute, but mm -hmm. I felt they worked her in nicely. Um, uh, especially I guess with a lot of the humor with Tyrese Gibson and Ludacris, uh, little borderline me too, if you ask me, but, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, I mean, like yeah, the the Me Too criticism is fair, but if sure, you know, this entire series is rooted in male gaze. Every right. time there's a, every time there's more than three cars on screen, you're probably going to see a female butt. You know, it's just, right, right, <laughs> it, and 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 it's it, it's far more tame than the boobs and bombs of the '80s and '90s that that these are really throwing back to. So I, you know, I can appreciate that. You you brought them up, so Hunsu um, got, got the short stick here i mean like that guy is so good in everything that he does and he's pretty much relegated to saying no or kill him he's he's relegated to a boss fight in a super nintendo 16-bit video game you know it, it, it's it's a real bummer because you bring in somebody of his class and caliber and don't give him much to do besides yell it, it's frustrating yeah i mean I'm pretty sure he's Oscar nominated, you know? So I, I, I did like Natalie Emanuel. She, she is, uh, featured in the next film at least. Um, so she's, I think she's a good addition to the cast. I don't know if they necessarily needed to bring in another hacker because that's supposed to be what Ludacris does, even though he's, you know, like a car guy. Um, but it works, it works and it, it helps fill in the dynamic. And I'm always a fan of seeing, Hyper competent female characters added to action films. I'm I'm always a fan of that. So I, I feel like overall she's a good addition. Speaking of that, let's talk about Letty. Let's talk about Michelle Rodriguez. Probably you know her most dynamic film yet, and was glad mm -hmm. to see that they finally got rid of the amnesia. <laughs> about time. <laughs> what do you think about the secret wedding? Was that weird? That was a little bit of a weird throw in there. Um, Interesting choice, right? Because we literally don't remember it because it hasn't been a part of the movies. So 
I could see maybe they were playing that angle. Maybe we all had amnesia, Jason. Maybe we did. But I, I was watching that, and I'll admit, the first time that I, I ran through these, I, I was not giving them my full attention. I was just enjoying them. But I, I remember watching this for the first time. I was like, I don't remember this. Was this in another movie? And I'm like, I, I don't think it was. It's just a weird flex to throw in a, a secret wedding for two characters that are already committed to each other, right? I mean, I could see in a soap opera where you would throw in a secret wedding between two characters that are whose goals are opposed. So like, oh no, now they have to deal with the fact that they're married. But this is like, oh, okay, that's sweet and weird. I mean, did they win a drag race and have a priest at Race Wars marry them? It just, it doesn't, it's very odd. You know, I, I will say at the beginning of this film, I was still leaving a little space uh, for her to go rogue again. You know, there okay. was just something from from the prior film that I wasn't totally buying. And I kept thinking maybe they would throw in an angle of like Deckard Shaw having known her as well. And he was really controlling all the strings the whole time, something like that. But the more I the more I look back on that, that that might have been too much to break the hearts of the fans of this film and this fr- franchise. Right. It's just. You know, you lose Paul Walker and you make Letty go rogue. I don't know. I don't know that it could it could hold up after that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it. I get it. it. Like, sometimes you have to make that call. Famously on the West Wing, Alan Alda, the Republican candidate, was supposed to win in the last season. But because the uh, character who played Leo Garrity died, um, they thought it was too much for you know, the audience to handle both that defeat after the loss of an actual human being. It's true. And then Jimmy Smith's storyline mirrored the rise of Obama. Incredible. <laughs> yep. Incredible. Um, what do you think of the last action sequence on this? Like, uh, so you've got three or four things going on, right? You've got the, uh, everybody racing around Los Angeles, trying to upload a virus. And then you've got, Jason Statham and Vin Diesel like duking it out on a parking garage. And then, Oh my God, the rock flexing to break his cast. That was awesome. That was like vintage Schwarzenegger right there. Like at a total recall or something where he just flexes mm-hmm. out. That was just, man, that was, that got me so pumped up for the last act, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was like, Oh, Hobbs is back in. That's amazing. Also, I love that Hobbs is a dad, a girl dad. I love that so much. It's a nice touch. It's a really nice touch. Yeah. Great chemistry with that actress. No idea if that's uh-huh. really his kid or not. <laughs> Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I I liked a lot of what went on in the last act. And I, I feel like I'm being hypercritical of this movie. When I, when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, this is so much fun. And I love this movie. But I, I think that there are little things that don't work in it. I, I have trouble with with how the racing went down and then the Vin Diesel jumping the car into the helicopter, that, that, that seems like a bit much. I mean, for, but we're talking fast and furious here. You really think you're, that was too right. far? You're right. You're, you're right. You're right. It, it, it was not, it was not, it was neither too fast nor too furious. It, uh, it seemed like that was the, the one big action move. You know, every, every one of these has the big move that it goes for. And I don't know, maybe there's an argument that the last couple have had the two big moves, right? But, you know, this definitely was one. Now, 
I really thought the car was going to go in the helicopter. <laughs> Which and I was a little disappointed that he was just hooking on the bagger grenades. But right. bagger grenades blowing up a helicopter is pretty sweet, too. So It is. It is. Um, and then, man, just when he's dead and, and then Letty, the Letty's love resurrecting him, that was also a bit much for me, but... My uh, least favorite part, man. That was probably my least favorite part. Like, you're just not going to spend that much time with someone thinking they're dead before you realize they're not dead. And it's just not going to work that way. And I, I get it. You know, I'm willing to give a little leeway for certain things, but that was that was a part they could have done better. I, I think so, too. I, I, I don't think that he needed to be dead and everybody to be worried that he's dead. And maybe it's just because we're, we we had death so much on our minds with Paul Walker and waiting for, you know, his character's fate. No time, at no time did I ever entertain the idea that he would actually be dead in this movie. And you've got to have some emotional stakes if that stuff's going to work, right? That's a great point. It, it carried no weight for me because I knew there was no possible way he'd, he was actually going to die. And again, you and I both are coming to this series late, right? Like, we did not see Seven in theaters. Um, so maybe it would have worked, but I'm just not buying it. I don't I don't think if you're somebody who's going to Furious 7, the midnight release, when it when it first comes out, I, I just don't think you're ever buying that Vin Diesel's dead. I also saw that they actually announced prior to the movie coming out the fate of Paul Walker's character. So it was a known huh. thing before anyone saw this movie. Wow. Wow. You know, I don't I don't know how I'd feel about that as a fan, but you know, right. I can also I can also see, you know, his he, it was such a, you know, publicized celebrity death at the time um that the you know, major fans of his were were really upset and so you know, I think ultimately it was probably the best call. Probably yeah. put more seats in the chairs to see how they were going to tribute him and end it, you know. Um, yeah, and you know what? If I if I remember correctly, I think there was actually a little bit of uncertainty as to whether or not they'd finish his film. Yeah, for a while it was that way, and uh, I think there were a couple of months, a few months maybe that went by before they decided to move forward with it. It was like that he died in November, and they resumed filming the next spring. Yeah. Um, and you know, one thing I would also just like to mention that I, uh, did not realize, or I should say that I incorrectly, uh, assumed was that his death was his fault, that he was driving the car and died that way. And not that I was thinking about like, oh, that idiot, you know, not, I don't mean that unsympathetically, but, mm -hmm. uh, it was actually his, his, uh, his agent that was driving and he was a passenger, um, which, Take that as you will, but uh, yeah, you know it, yeah. it changed changed my perspective just a little bit, you know, and, and makes it a little bit more tragic, I think. But yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, any any premature death of somebody who's not an asshole is tragic, but there is a little bit of Schadenfreude when I, I get it, I get it, I, I you know I would have thought callous thoughts too. I mean, it, it's it's akin to Dale Earnhardt Jr. dying during a race, right? Yeah, you know, it, it, I had read more into it, and you know, they were they were leaving a fundraiser of all things, uh, and I would say, you know, at the time when I thought differently about these movies, I had never seen these movies, and probably made terrible assumptions about the people, the actors in the movies, and then mm -hmm. you hear the guy from the Fast and Furious dies in a Fast and Furious wreck. I, I have no doubt my reaction at the time was was callous and. Uh, 
if, if anything, I'm just glad that, uh, you know, this exercise has caused me to feel differently. Uh, I you will know what, not man, react too. that way again. Me too, man. Me, me too. I, I feel kind of, I, I feel bad about my initial thoughts on that. It's just life's too short for us to be dicks. Right. Right. Is, isn't it true? Um, we've made this fast and furious discussion relevant for the times, my friend. <laughs> we have, we have, we have. I think Bill and Ted would not have ill thoughts toward these guys. So why should we? All right. Um, let me ask, what do you think's coming for eight? What do you know about eight? What do you think's happening? The other thing is we no longer had the end credit scene. Yeah. So there yep. is there is not really a setup here for, and I believe is eight, the fate of the furious. It is. All right. It is. I love that title. That's for sure. Maybe my favorite title yet. Um, it's it's wonderful. I I was really hoping that they would continue it, and number nine would be the fine and the furious, but they didn't do that. So. <laughs> uh, well, let's say this. I know that there's a Hobbs and Shaw movie, and so, uh, the way they end it with with Hobbs taking Shaw to jail, you know, just has has all the markings of somehow Shaw's going to get out of jail, and uh, uh-huh. and then we'll go from there. I. Don't know what to expect as far as uh, you know Vin Diesel and and the rest of his crew. Um, gonna I'm gonna be really interested to see post Paul Walker how this all goes. Uh, yeah, still wondering if we'll see any folks from the older movies that haven't popped back up yet. Like I I, I was just really hoping we get more Eva Mendez at some point. Don't know if mm-hmm. that's gonna happen. Um, yep. I feel like you know of all the people that have popped up that I thought were really good actors. And I want to see again. It's definitely her. Mr. Nobody. I would love to get Mr. Nobody involved, but I know Kurt Russell's a busy man. So he is, he is. Uh, (laughs) Do you know who, do you know who the main villain is in the next one? I have no idea. Oh, cool. 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 All right. That's great. That's great. Uh, So (laughs) I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with the casting fate of the furious leans into some of the weirder tendencies of this series, but it's still a lot of fun. You're still going to enjoy yourself. Can't wait. Can't believe I'm about to watch the eighth movie of this franchise. (laughs) (laughs) You're kind of excited for it too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think what other franchise I've watched all of that, that are at least eight movies long. Cause I think we're now one movie more than tremors. I'm guessing it's gotta be Friday the 13th or nightmare on Elm street. Oh, dude, Star Wars. You've seen all the Star Wars movies, right? Oh, yeah, but do we really count six of those? All in, all, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I don't want to lose any listeners. Furious, you, know? <laughs> you sat through Too Fast, Too Furious, so I think you can count the lesser entries in, in a series as well. Um, the other one, I, I, I don't know if I've seen all of them, but James Bond, you know, there's, yeah, there's a billion of those movies, and I, I don't know if you can grow up in the 80s and have TBS and not see at least 50% of the James Bond films. Yeah. For some reason, I just, I always think of those as like separate, separate, but you know, that argument I'm sure doesn't hold up because any franchise changes directors and, and writers and actors. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. All right, brother. Well, I can't wait to, to watch eight and then discuss it with you. This is going to be so much fun. And then after eight, we got Hobbs and Shaw and then, you know, better luck tomorrow. Sounds like a plan. Anyways, you know, uh, as always, we want to thank Michael Eads uh, 
especially during this quarantine time for still getting our podcasts out to all the listeners. want to thank Scott Bricklin and Scooby Tunes Music for the use of the most excellent theme song, Walk Away. JT, you know I love to say it every time. Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. JT, be excellent to each other, my dude. Party on, dudes. (laughs) All right, that's stupid. Be excellent to each other, my dude. Party on. I'm I'm a fucking idiot. Um, You're not. You're great. I love you. We're we're doing this together, man. I just. I wish I could look into your eyes while you're saying it. JT, keep on keeping on. (laughs) Keep on trucking, my brother. (laughs) Party on, Kelly. Party on, Jason. JT, be excellent to each other. Booty on, Kelly. All right. At least got a solid tag here. Um, (laughs) Complete and total meltdown in my bedroom.